Welcome, everyone, to FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I am hyped to bringing you two off-the-radar reviews this week. Both of these are not films that you've likely heard of, but I'm hoping to bring a little bit of attention to them because I think that both have some very worthy elements overall. As usual, the best way to reach me on social media is via Twitter at Feelin' Film or in the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group, which you can join by clicking the link in the show notes to this and every episode. If you would, we'd love for you to review the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating. Write some kind words if you wish. Same goes for Spotify or whatever platform you may be listening to the show on. It helps us get noticed. It helps others find us and join the conversation. And we really do. Thank you for taking the time to listen and for taking the time to give us those reviews. Here on FF Plus, the format is pretty straightforward. I cover what I liked, what I didn't like, and then I give you a recommendation about whether or not I think a film is worth your time and money. That's all. It's simple, it's short, and it's spoiler-free. These episodes are created with the intention of getting in and out, telling you what you need to know in a bite-sized amount of time. The first film I want to talk about is a documentary called La List. Everything or Nothing, from Red Bull Studios and Adventure Entertainment. It is directed by Eric Crossland, and it features cinematography by Leo Horn, David Mossop, Josh Levine, and Jamie Tanner. It doesn't really star anyone because it's a documentary, and it doesn't really have a screenplay either. What's it about? Jeremy Heights and Sam Anthamaton venture to ski four of the world's most impressive mountain ranges, the Swiss Alps, Peru's Cordillera Blanca, Pakistan's Karakoram Range, and the Tibetan Himalayas. What did I like about this? Well, pretty much everything. So if you're new here, you may not know this, but if you've been listening to me and or the show for a while, you will know that I am an action sports and outdoor documentary junkie. I absolutely adore stories about athletic people pushing their limits doing these things in outdoor spaces that are somewhat beyond my comprehension, to be honest. This is no different. This film is about what is called ski mountaineering and or free riding. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it essentially is the act of taking your skis on your back, hiking up a mountain, finding the best line, which is the safest way in which you can ski a specific trail and then coming down the mountain and when you're free riding you're not on a course and there's no one around there's no competition going on here now there is a free ride competition that takes place there's a tour that happens and it's a little more structured but this is just being out on an expedition on your own They film themselves with GoPros. There is a a camera crew following them because it is a documentary right now, but they use the GoPros and they use a lot of drone footage and they climb up these 6,000 meter high peaks and they ski down them, whether it's over rocks or pieces of ice. Obviously, they're trying to avoid going down somewhere that has any sort of heavy mountainous type topography, but it doesn't ever make it safe. It is inherently dangerous. And the passion that they have to do this, it 
burns inside them. These are the kind of athletes, these are the kind of human beings that just can't do anything else. And I find that so inspiring and so fascinating because it's just a mindset that I've never had when it comes to anything athletic. So I really enjoyed this. For your reference point, 6,000 meter peaks are (laughs) off the charts high. We're talking roughly 3.8 miles in the air or nearly 20,000 feet. By comparison, I believe the highest peak on Whistler, which is a pretty famous ski area here near me in Seattle, is 3,000 meters, so half this high. For them to go this high, they have to do acclimatization training. They have to get themselves ready to be able to handle a lack of oxygen. Um, It can go wrong really fast up there. And at one point in this documentary, something does go wrong. Someone does get hurt. And it's really interesting to see how they deal with that emergency. (laughs) And ultimately, it gets kind of carried through throughout the film. And it's addressed at the end of the movie as well in a really, really emotional way, I think. And I like that. I like that the film takes several of these characters. There's not very many. Two main guys, Jeremy and Sam, are the primary skiers here. It's one of their friends that gets hurt. And it's mostly about their friendship and their joint love of doing this together. And they're off on this journey that we're watching. And it's cool to see them. They have so much in common. They clearly have a love of each other and a love for this type of life that they lead. They have no illusions whatsoever about the complete and utter danger of this, but they follow like a code almost. There's a quote, someone says, to go where nobody has been, that is adventure. And you cannot go where nobody has been safely. And then there's another one where someone says, it's not about the summits. It's not about the objectives. You have to embrace the process and feel like you're getting something out of that of value. And so these People are really in it because they want this experience, and they they have to have that. It's what drives them and keeps them going. This film is great. It's about, I don't know, 70-ish minutes, maybe 75, a little under 80. It's short, and I think a good length for this kind of documentary. It reminded me a lot of when I used to play video games called SSX and or Steep. Sometimes you would get in a helicopter and the helicopter would fly you up to the top of the mountain and just drop you off. And then you would ski or snowboard down the mountain and you would just kind of find your own way down, sometimes going through trees or jumping over rocks. It's basically that, except there's no helicopter taking them up to the top. And it's really interesting. There's a great soundtrack too. It's kind of got an amped up energy about it, especially the actual ski sections where we get to see them on each of these peaks when they're actually coming down them. It's some of the most unique footage you'll ever see when it comes to outdoor skiing. You just aren't going to get this anywhere else. And with it being Red Bull produced, they understand this kind of adventurous lifestyle. And there's a lot of Jimmy Chin as well in here. I dug that. He's one of my favorite personalities in the climbing space. And he's in here talking about what these guys are doing and the impact and the importance and the danger and all the different aspects of what it is that their sport entails. So I really, really dug this a lot. And I would highly encourage anyone like me that likes the outdoor documentaries or sports documentaries 
to check it out. If I had any dislikes, it's probably just that it does go so fast and it is pretty surface level. We get to see Jeremy and Sam's friendship and a very, very brief amount of kind of backstory about how they met and how they came to be in this position to where they're doing these things together. We get to see them experiencing life together in the briefest of moments, but I would have almost loved a deeper dive into their psyches about like their whole family lives and what makes them tick and what do they do in the off season and all these other things. So I guess I just wanted more. If that's a dislike, it's not really one. It's just more of an indictment of how much I enjoyed this. So it's not, I don't think transcendent in the way, maybe something similar like last year's documentary featuring Nimsdahl called 14 Peaks was because that was the sort of thing where they, it that was just an unbelievable world record type thing that they were setting and crushing and they were doing it for a cause, but it's still a, a really great film. It's going to be streaming on Apple TV plus, so it will be accessible on February the 15th and Yes, as I mentioned, I am feeling it. By all means, please pop this into your streamer. Pop this into your streamer. You can't do that. It's not a VHS tape. Fire this up on your Apple TV device or wherever you watch your Apple TV Plus and sit back and, like me, <laughs> turn on the fireplace, pour a cup of coffee, have your cozy fuzzy socks on so you're nice and warm and watch these guys in the freezing cold go down these massively insane mountainous peaks at crazy speeds on their skis. The other film we have to talk about is called Ted K, and it comes from Super Limited and Neon. It stars Charlito Copley. It is directed by Tony Stone, written by Tony Stone and Gaddy Davis and John Rosenthal. What's it about? A bracing cinematic journey into the tortured mind of the Unabomber. Deep in the American Rocky Mountains lived a man who sought refuge from modern society. His dark writings forewarned of a society ruled by technology. As the outside world encroached on his mountain sanctuary, he slowly became radicalized with rage. What began with small acts of sabotage culminated with deadly bomb attacks, national media attention, and the largest manhunt in American history. That's right. This is essentially a biopic about Ted Kaczynski, who many of you may have lived through this event uh, when it took place. The film starts with an opening crawl, kind of Star Wars style, that gives us some backstory. And it tells us about how in 1971, Ted and his brother built this 10 by 12 foot cabin that he ended up calling home in the Rocky Mountains. And it has this to say, quote, this film was made on the land where his cabin once stood and uses his words from the 25,000 pages of writing that filled his shelves to tell his story. Also of note in this opening is the knowledge that Ted went to Harvard at 16, which sets the stage and lets us know that as reclusive and socially dysfunctional as he may have been, he actually was a genius. He was a professor for a year before going off the grid as well. So I thought that that was pretty good backstory for dropping us into Ted starting to live in this cabin. And from that point on, what this essentially becomes is almost like a mood piece. It's all about putting us into the perspective of Ted Kaczynski. It's got very few 
other speaking parts in the film, very few characters. Ted interacts with people here and there, but it's mostly just a Copley kind of focused piece on him. It's a showcase in a lot of ways for him as an actor. There's a lot of voiceover uh, read that comes directly from Ted's manifesto. Maybe as much voiceover, I would say, as dialogue. Probably not, but it feels that way at sometimes. It works hard to keep us inside of his head as we experience this world that is growing with technology and gender equality, among other things that frustrate him. And it slowly pushes him into this eventual madness and ultimately into his revenge. He says at one point that modern technology is the worst thing to ever happen to the world and to promote its progress is nothing short of criminal. So essentially, this man did not think that humans could effectively manage themselves in the future. And that he also straight up says that he doesn't think he can change that and that he doesn't consider himself to be altruistic or acting for the good of the human race. He really does consider what he is doing as a form of hateful revenge against people that he hate him and that he hates. It goes through all of this to the point where we see him over decades kind of creating different bombs, starts targeting local businesses and kind of working his way up to these bigger companies that he feels are harming the environment and growing more and more and more into a psychopath. I think it's a great performance. I think Charlto Copley is a phenomenal actor and deserves his due. And because of the meditative nature of this entire piece, it's, it's observational, right? So there's the voiceover, there's limited dialogue, and there's some surreal sequences. There's a heavy use of score from blank mass. It's nearly constant, I would say, and it kind of oscillates between classical and reflective and then sometimes it's very electronic and kind of pulse pounding and really raises the tension as we sit and go through Ted's life. My point is that the film requires a lot of physical acting from Copley. He's got to sell you with his body and motions and gestures and body language and he's got to sell you with his facial expressions and he does it. He's just incredible at, I think, depicting this man that in the way that the filmmakers want us to see him. The movie also has great editing. There's a sequence at the start that is a ton of match cuts that I particularly loved because those, as well as the frequent gorgeous sweeps of outdoor landscapes in this film are kind of like cinematography's love languages in some ways. And it moves pretty fast, I think, for the two hours. I might throw the pacing slightly in the dislikes side because there are some surreal sequences in here that I didn't really care for. And they're used intentionally to kind of showcase like <laughs> they they create a girlfriend for him, for one thing. This is we'll go into the dislikes now. And she's not really a part of his life that we know of. She's an imaginary person. And we see him to be this very sexually repressed character who's misogynistic. And yet he's imagining this woman that he's attracted to and imagine a relationship with her. And it helps to show us that he's a lonely person. But 
it's a departure from the authentic nature of what the rest of the story feels like. It seems like it's really grounded outside of this imaginary relationship and the surrealness that come a few different times. I didn't really like that. I felt like it was unnecessary and I, I got what he was feeling without those extra pieces. Like I get it. You're lonely, dude. And at some point that's really what I think is going to be the issue for a lot of people with this movie is that they're going to use the term incel when it comes to Ted K. You're going to see the comparisons to Joker from people who watch this. It practically evokes some level of empathy for this man who was a mass murderer and a terrorist. It does not outright condemn his actions. It simply puts us in his perspective all the way up until his arrest. And that's all we get. So I'll say this. The fact that two things can be true at once is a struggle for some folks. And admittedly, I understand that. Ted can be right about some of the issues that he has. Some of the things in this film that, that frustrate him are legit problems with the way the world has evolved since then, especially our treatment of the environment. He's right to be angry about these things. But the way he treats women, the way he sees them as lesser, and obviously his decision to reign chaos through violent means and ultimately murder make him a downright evil person. And so we have this great overall kind of technically made film about a person that I don't know what necessarily is the point of other than if it's to, like I said, evoke empathy. And I don't know that the world is ready to make that jump and have empathy for this man. And so it becomes like a what's the point kind of scenario. And I'm just a little in the middle here and I don't know what to think. Like I thought it was a well-made picture, but it doesn't give me anything that is changing how I viewed Ted Kaczynski personally. And so, yeah, there you have it. I mean, it's kind of a bummer in a way because I think Copley is literally turning in an awards-worthy performance in this film. And I would love for people to check this out. Will that happen? I don't know. It'll be available in theaters and on video on demand, both on February the 18th. So am I feeling it? Honestly, if what I say sounds interesting to you, I would say it might be worth your time in a theater simply because the sound design, the score, and the cinematography are all so good. And you get a lot of outdoor stuff. But I think that most people, because of the material, it'll play just fine at home. Yes, I think it's worth a rental. I think it's a decent film, a good film. Overall, I think, you know, the technical elements, as I mentioned, are pretty darn great. And so it just becomes an exercise in challenging yourself to watch this and maybe find something to take out of it. I am not going to beat around the bush, though. I think a lot of people would watch this and be very upset because they're not going to see the point. They're going to be like, wow, that was a cool acting showcase. Wow, that looks great. Cool. That guy's a murderer. Didn't need this. Knew everything that I needed to know about him already. And I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really torn on this. So it's a hard one to recommend across the board. And I really think it's going to hinge on, do you want to take in a story that goes through the process in the way that I'm describing? If you find that interesting and you find that something you want to be challenged by, 
then by all means, yes, check this out. If that sounds like something that's going to set you off and trigger you, you need to just stay away. Well, that's it for this episode of FF Plus. As I previously mentioned, all of the social media links are down in the show notes to this episode. Check those out. Give me a follow. Let's connect. Tell me what you thought about either of these movies if you see them or about any of the films that we cover here on the podcast. You can find us in Repod. It's a new podcast app that actually has a community built in. We're on there. We'd love to chat with you. Each and every episode has its own kind of like chat room style thread to it. I'm there. Patrick's there. We would love to hear from you. So follow us there. I'll be back a couple of times this week. There will be another FF Plus coming towards the end of this week with a couple of bigger films to talk about more popular films, I should say. And then we'll also have our main episode for this week, our deep dive into Marry Me. So we'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.